Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with my co-host, Gail Dobie of Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting. The success, growth, and profitability of any business rides on the three E's, efficiency, effectiveness, and execution. For that, you need to have the right processes in place so that everyone on the team knows what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. When processes go awry or get ignored or fail to keep up with the changing business environment, something can and often does go wrong. Today, we're talking with our good friend and interior designer, Glenna Stone, founder and principal of Glenna Stone Interior Design, located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Often you hear that a person's history shapes their life and their choices. It's a truth that proves the adage. Rarely, though, do you find a life informed by such a breadth of personal history, education, experience, and decisions as speaker, writer, and moderator Glenna Stone. It is precisely that overarching vision that informs her work as a noted designer, an award-winning entrepreneur, and a compelling presenter. Working in an established leadership position with one of the country's largest consumer product companies, Glenna used her degree in engineering to create, execute, and direct promotions for a billion-dollar brand through imagination, a keen understanding of her audience, and a sharp business acumen. However, the entrepreneurial life called and design of a different sort beckoned. Inspired by the kind of ever-evolving creativity that she saw from her mother's career as an artist and teacher, Glenna envisioned a career that could be artfully expressed and precisely detailed in equal measure. Since 2010, Glenna Stone Interior Design has been the Philadelphia area's go-to design firm for that just-right mix of timeless spaces that are tailored and radiant spaces with both restoration and revival of their interiors and for their owners. Hi, Glenna. It's so good to have you on our podcast. We're really excited to hear what you have to say. And I know that our listeners will love to hear your story. So if you don't mind, I'd love to start with, um, actually, when you first did your first VIP with us, I was thinking about this because we just had another one with you a few weeks ago. We did. Yeah. yeah. And how many employees did you have when you first came the first time? When I came to VIP for the first time, it was just me. Um, at that time, I was outsourcing some work part time, um, but really, I was I was the only one on the very low payroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, and here we are, some years later, and I, I I didn't look up the number of years, but I think it's probably six or seven. Yeah, I think so, it's about yeah, seven. I think I remember my first encounter with you. We were at um, String and Splinter a high point market having dinner. And I think we were, it was just a discussion about maybe possibly the idea of doing a VIP day. Mm -hmm. But I remember just everything about you. I was like, gosh, this woman's just beautiful and so well put together. So I definitely admire your style um, and all the years that we've been together as well. 
Oh, yeah, it's been it's been a good journey. <laughs> it has. And I think we should share where you are now in terms of number of people because you've grown so much. We have. Yeah. So right now we are 10 and hiring for two um, additional positions. So soon to be 12, hopefully by the end of the year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's exciting. And I think back to of where you um, where you're going to be by year end, and it's looking like, from what I can tell, somewhere close to about seven to eight times where you were when you started. You're doing the you're the math person, Gail. So I'll, <laughs> I'll trust you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so interesting because I know that over the years, I I just remember us starting from the very beginning and your first tires and just some of the things you went through, and you've always been such a good student. You've done all of the things we've talked about. And um, it's just been fabulous watching your growth. And I would have to say, I have seen a radical shift in your confidence as a business owner, even in the last two or three years. And what do you attribute that to? Probably time. Um, I think I was never a person that had an abundance of confidence, you know, especially because this was a career change for me and not something that I started doing right out of school having that confidence in the beginning was, was really difficult. And over time and seeing kind of the fruits of, of my labor play out really gives me confidence. I think also just the support from, you know, from you and Aaron, from our boardroom tribe, that really gives me a lot of confidence because I feel like everybody has each other's back. And I know that, you know, there's a lifeline, right? So if there's, Mm -hmm. I'm having one of those like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Or how did I, you know, how do I figure this out? I know that there is somebody to reach out to. And, you know, in the beginning, when you're working on your own and you're a solo entrepreneur, there's really, you know, there's not a team behind you. There's there's not a big support system. And I think that support system um, has really given me a lot of confidence in, you know, what I get to do every day. Yeah, because at the very beginning, I think we're all this way. Erin and I started this business together. So at least we've always been there for each other. And it wasn't easy. It still isn't easy. It's (laughs) just work. I think um, I've definitely watched you develop your team and get your employees to start really buying into your ideas and your vision and your culture. And I can see that, especially when we get to interact with your employees, too. They seem really happy. I hope so. Um, I, and I think that you bring up a good point about culture. And I think everything kind of ties back to culture and culture when you're by yourself. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it takes a, a little bit of soul searching and it takes time to develop that culture, both externally, but also internally, really looking inward and saying what's important as I grow this business. Um, mm-hmm. What's important to me? What's important? what's important that I provide for my team, for my employees. And that's another thing that just, it's something that takes time and development. And it's a little bit just like anything. It's a little bit like stepping stones. Mm -hmm. And also just watching you wrap your head around growing to a a bigger size than what you thought it was going to be. Has that been hard to make these leaps for yourself? Um. Yes and no. Um, I think it was harder in the beginning, you know, hiring that first employee, getting a, you know, a bigger office space. Those leaps were harder in the beginning. I think there's a lot of fear that goes along with some of those decisions. 
now I have, I still have some of that fear about different things, of course, but the confidence and just saying, okay, I've been doing this now for almost 11 years. I trust my gut because it's usually right. And I'm able to kind of put some of that fear on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Well, something that I remember you working on um, a few years back was the time billing and the efficiency of your team. And mm-hmm. what are some ways that, I mean, I, that's a huge problem for all of us, right? Like it is. I'm laughing because like, it's still an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the people to track their time. But I feel like you did have a really good um, outlook on how you talked about that with your team. It just goes back to the why. And we talked about this, you know, a little bit during our VIP day too. I think whether it's my team or it's a friend or my husband, you know, I think when you're explaining something to someone and how you are perceiving a situation, I think it always goes back to the why. And, And once employees understand that, you know, they're smart, intelligent people. Sometimes they just don't understand what they don't know or don't have visibility to. And when you explain that why to them, I think they can really wrap their head around that and understand that the reason that we're doing this is so that they can continue to have jobs and stay employed, right? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) It's a good why, right? (laughs) It's very motivating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it has been such an interesting period. And of course, uh, you were talking in your questionnaire about just the COVID situation and how challenging that was. But this year, it's so interesting because when COVID started, none of us really knew what was going to happen. We didn't know if business was going to be impacted in the long haul. And then, of course, everything just blows up. And uh, with that comes all the different kind of stuff that you have to deal with. So what are some of the things you've gone through in this last year and a half? Wow. Yeah, it, it's been a year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly thinking about things that I never thought I would have to think about as a business owner, like basic health and safety of our employees, for example. Um, and just having that weight on your shoulders. I don't think that if you're not a business owner, I don't think you really understand how heavily things like that weighs on, on a business owner. When you have a small business, these people are like your extended work family, right? And you know their significant others and you know their children. And so, you know, just decisions about around just health and safety for COVID. And, and you know, we're in Philadelphia and that changes weekly. I mean, honestly, last week they changed the mask policy. Um, for businesses in Philadelphia, they announced it on a Wednesday afternoon and it was going into effect the next day in the morning. So, you know, it's like, okay, let me just drop everything and figure this out. You know, are we going to require vaccinations? Are we not going to require vaccinations? Are we going to ask for people's cards? You know, all of those things that you're, you know, trying to think about and process. And sometimes you have to make those decisions very quickly in this environment with COVID. I mean, that's just one example of, you know, the constant changing, ever-changing situation. Mm-hmm. The good side of it is that it's also brought a lot of business in for for everybody, which is great. But the downside of that is it's hard to find good employees because now all of a sudden the market's tight, you're having to pay mm-hmm. more money and people are getting snatched up quickly. So what are you doing to ensure that you're getting those great hires? It's It's very challenging. I feel very lucky that we have such a, a great team in place. And, you know, I work with an HR company that's been phenomenal to help us recruit 
and screen for different employees. And because of the labor force um, and, you know, the lack of people that are out there, you know, I've had to make some tough decisions in the sense that maybe I'm looking for a different skill set in the sense that, you know, I might not find that employee that has every, checks every single box. So I'm really thinking about what skill sets do they have that are kind of not trainable skill sets that we need and what things maybe don't they have that we could possibly train them on. Um, you know, there's certain things that I think you people just have or don't have and you can't train them. Um, you know, just professionalism, work ethic. You know, I think if you have somebody that needs to develop certain skills, but they have the desire to succeed, they have the desire to learn, they're a good culture fit, which is super important to me. I might take a little bit of a risk on somebody because we can train them. The downside of that, of course, is it takes longer to get them up to productivity levels that you want. But but if you've got that right culture fit, sometimes it's a good decision to do that. It is. It's a balance. There's no perfect answer. Sure. It's not black and white. Again, sometimes it just goes down to kind of trusting your instincts and your gut. The great thing now, too, is that now that I have a leadership team in place, they can also be a great sounding board for me and really help me, you know, support me in making sure that we're all making the right decisions for the business. Well, I think it would be really interesting for people to know what your background was before you got into design. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is a second career for me. It's definitely a career change, one that I would never regret. Um, I wouldn't change anything about my path, tr- truthfully. I went to school at Lehigh University and got my um, bachelor's in science and industrial engineering. And after college, I was a consultant for PricewaterhouseCoopers for a number of years working um, with consumer products companies on, on, the, on their supply chains. Wow. So that was my focus, which has become very helpful right now. <laughs> I um, bet. <laughs> um, but I've always had a fascination for logistics and efficiency um, process and um, when I ended that career, I was working for Gillette, who had gotten acquired by Procter & Gamble. Um, we were living in Boston at the time. And uh, my mother's a fine artist and um, always grew up in a very creative household and just wanted to explore some more creative aspects in my life. Um, I did cooking classes after work. I did photography classes. And one time I was like, you know, what? I'm going to, you know, we're not in school of design. It's not that far. I'll just drive down to Providence and take an interior design class. And then I took another class and then I took another class (laughs) and I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's just the perfect balance of left and right brain for me. I, you know, I, I do feel that I have a good balance between, you know, the creative and the technical skills. And I enjoy that balance of both. You know, finally, my husband said, what are you doing? Like, are you going back to school or what you're taking? You're spending so much money on all these classes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I was like, I don't know. All the supplies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When Procter & Gamble acquired Gillette, they were moving my job to Cincinnati. And it was a tough decision because I had a really great career there. I really actually loved what I was doing. um, But I I didn't want to move to Cincinnati. Um... I grew up in Delaware and my husband grew up outside of Harrisburg. So we had always planned to move back to the Philadelphia area anyways. Um, you know, we had talked about starting our own family. So I ended up going to Drexel um, and getting my master's in interior architecture and design. Um, and that was an intense three-year program, but it was yeah. fabulous education. And um, yeah, so here we are. 
Isn't that crazy? That's such a great background for what you're doing, especially because you do commercial and residential. So, and then of course, I don't think a lot of people think about this when they get into design that so much of it has to do with process. In order to run a really great business, process needs to be the base of what you're doing. Absolutely. And I think that I was really able to pull that from my corporate background. You know, large organizations of 50,000 people, you process drives everything. Sometimes I think things can be over-processed. When I look at our business, I try to make sure our processes are efficient, but also that everything we're doing adds value to the client. So I don't want to over-process something so that it takes too long. You know, if there's a faster way to do it, and it still serves our client and the project in the best way, then, you know, I'm always going to kind of take that critical path approach to getting our project completed. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I got to sit in with you and Claire and Gail at your VIP day a few weeks ago. And we talked a lot about what, what you're building, what your future is for Glenistone Interior Design. So why don't you share with the audience what you see Glenistone Interior Design being in 10 years? You know, 10 years is, it's hard for me to even conceptualize what will be in 10 years, but we talked about a lot of things. So in 10 years, um, I'll be a mom of two children that are in college. Right now, my kids, um, I have a son that's 12, Cade, and my daughter, Elin, is 10. And I'm really hoping to be able to grow my business um, in the next 10 years, you know, hopefully adding additional revenue streams. Um, we've been potentially looking at a second office. Um, hopefully a fabric line and, you know, maybe in eight years looking at a book. So mm. <laughs> big dreams. Mm. Yes, that's great. It's and crazy to think about your kids being 20 and 22. Like, I don't right? know what that's going to be like. <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I everybody I've enjoyed every moment of motherhood. I really have. So I think that I'll enjoy, you know, the next 10 years of it as well. You know, our, my kids just went away to sleepaway camp and I was actually thinking when they were gone, this is the first time, you know, they went away and we've been, you know, separated for like probably about a week or something if my husband and I went on a vacation. But, um, you know, this was definitely the longest time and the house felt empty and quiet. And, and there was moments when I loved that, but I was thinking, I'm like, is this what it's going to be like? And, you know, I have two kids in college. Oh, this is kind of sad. I'm going to miss them. <laughs> <laughs> the house is so much quieter, right? It is, which is good. It's good. <laughs> it gave me some time to think and a little bit of freedom to do, you know, go out to dinner with my husband on a whim, things like that. So so nice. It's a lot of uh, of stuff that you'll have to process and change as, as the time goes by. But the interesting thing, too, is that you're you're raising your kids and you're raising your business at the same time. So. And then, of course, your husband is starting his own business. Yes, so how has that been? It's been great. You know, it's challenging. And I think mm -hmm. I'm kind of letting him figure things out on his own, too. Right. I mean, I think that's how you, you have to do it. He's been so supportive of my business and not tremendously involved in it, actually. I know that there's lots of firm owners that their spouses are much, you know, very involved or even more involved than that is with mine. Um, but he's really kind of just trusted me and trusted my instincts to, to grow the business. And I want to provide that for him too, because um, he's, he's going to be great and super successful. 
but it's scary and a little daunting to think, okay, we're two business owners. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. The good side is, and I love this part, is that you are at a stage in your business where you can support the family and you can give him that opportunity to do it. And how many, how many wives really are in that position to be that supportive, especially with something that's as big as that? Right. Yeah, no, it's, I feel very fortunate and happy to be able to give him this opportunity um, and for us to just be in a position to, to make this happen. So fingers crossed. I think uh, check in with me in a year and, and I'll have some more information. We're just, we're really just getting started. Oh, <laughs> I awesome. have a feeling it's all going to be great because he's a smart guy too. So it'll all work out. Yeah, I look at that and I, I wonder sometimes, did you have any idea that you would be this successful at your business? Definitely no. I always thought I would figure it out and, you know, that it would be a good way for me to do something that I love and, you know, make some money, really. I mean, you know, like be able to provide a little bit for my family and um, do something that I love every day. And I, not in my wildest dreams, that I think that I would even have this many employees. Um, you know, when I leased our space, um, I guess that was about two and a half years ago. Um, I was like, this is, this is it. Like, I'm never going to leave the space. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be fine. And now we're already into the second floor and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to outgrow both these floors really soon. What am I going to do? Exactly. And then the news, if you do a new office as well outside, you'll have three different office spaces until you buy your building. Right. Yes, that's the plan. (laughs) That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And looking too at um, what you've talked about, now you're talking about, my gosh, you could have a a lot of people on your team. What do you think that number is going to be in 10 years? 10 years. Well, we talked about 20 million. So that's, I'm going to stick to that goal. Okay. Which means a lot of people working. for I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited for you. I think it is totally doable. And one thing that's to me, the most important thing is somebody who understands that it is a process of growth. And as you go through the process, there are different things that happen. So you have to adjust and plan again and have new strategy. But in the end, anything's possible. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, see, that's how I get my confidence, right? I'll just talk to you, Gal, and you'll just build me up. (laughs) Well, watch out. That conversation might go from 20 million to like 50 or something. (laughs) Well, I love the look on your face when we when we came to that agreement. It it was like it was part terror and and part excitement. Like, wow, could I really do that? Yeah, but can you envision yourself there? I can. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of meditating that will need to happen in the next 10 years (laughs) together. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about that just with being, you know, you're growing a business and now your husband is starting a business. You've got two kids that are clearly active in their ages. Um, What do you do to keep kind of your mindset where it needs to be for your business and your family? Is meditation your, your tool? I do meditate, but it's not, I mean, I know there's people that every day they have this morning routine and they start their day and that's what they do. I, I mean, maybe when my kids go to school, I can do that. My life just isn't set up for that right now. 
you know, it's just being a, a mother of two kids and running a business. I it, it's really hard to find time to time for myself. But I definitely use meditation as a tool. For me, it's working out. Um, just I have a really strict workout schedule that I stick to. It's kind of my time to be healthy, but also just have time for myself. Um, and that's been really important to me. I hope it rubs off on me eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Gail, if only these computers were powered by Pelotons, then maybe. <laughs> One day. Yeah. I mean, we One were day. guilty. We got the pandemic Peloton. Um, it's actually right here in my home office as I'm recording this with you. So it's not ideal, but like everybody, we also had to figure out where are we going to do virtual learning? How are we going to work out? How are we going to work from home? And how are we going to fit this into our house? So. Well, what are some of the bigger things that you've learned over the years that maybe surprise you when you look back on it? Well, I think trusting the process is something that I've definitely learned. You know, we've worked together, as you said, for about seven years, and it is a process. And, you know, we talked about this even before we started recording. I just, I get antsy. I'm not good at sitting still. And I just, I want things to just you know, I want to put in the work, but I'm also like, okay, we got to get going. We should have had this done by now. And mentally, I don't really portray that to my team, but inside I'm like, okay, shoot, we're already behind. We got to do this. We got to do that. Um, and I think that over the years, it's really just saying, okay, you have to trust the process. And I've always wanted to have a very process-driven company just based on my background. I just, it sets the foundation for everything. Um, and if you don't have a good process to do things, it's it's really hard to grow a company. You know, everybody needs to have that same foundation. And at the same time, <laughs> the process is always changing because you have to be able to adapt. And I think this past year has really challenged me in that regard and probably everybody in the world. You have to be able to adapt and figure things out mm-hmm. and change the status quo. And I'm always telling our employees, like, this is the process, but it will change. Like, be prepared that this is not set in stone for the next maybe even year. Um, because as we're doing more work and we're getting bigger projects or we're having more projects um, that the company is handling, that might we might have to tweak our processes a little bit here and there to be able to manage that. And it's, it's constant. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly looking at how can we do better? How can we improve? Okay, that happened. How can we make sure that doesn't happen again? Um, you know, Gail, you always taught me, which I used in my professional life and my personal life, um, that if something doesn't go right, it's either a training issue or a process issue. Exactly. It really is. Or maybe an attitude issue, but hopefully, hopefully not that. <laughs> yeah. Or that. That'll be like the third one. <laughs> that'll be the fallback. And hopefully that's not the case. But I think you do a really great job of hiring, which is also a skill set that not all people have. And some people have a lot of turnover and they find that, um, and they don't really understand why, but I think that you have a very logical approach to the way that you address it. And also, I think you're just a good reader of people. So that has served you well in your business over the years. Thank you. I know it's crazy. So I've been in business for 11 years and I've only had one employee leave voluntarily. And that was just in May. And she wanted to go back. She was in jewelry design, um, originally worked in interior design for five or six years, and then wanted to leave Philadelphia um, and um, go back into jewelry design. So it was, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's 
anything to attribute to me, but I, I feel very blessed that we have such a solid team in place. Uh, it's attributed to you. <laughs> and your culture and your values, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously you were doing it right, because to only have one person leave over this period of time is pretty amazing. We've had more than that, and uh, <laughs> and it's okay. The If you don't have it, it means that everybody is really committed to the vision that you have, and they love working for you. So that's that's fabulous to hear. Tell me about your dream job. Do you have a dream job you haven't done yet? Oh gosh, I just feel truthfully, I feel so lucky to be doing what I get to do every day. You know, I have my job as a mother, um, which is definitely a job, and I have my job as a business owner. I don't know that I even have the capacity in my mind to think about anything else. (laughs) I'm just so focused on those two things, and I truthfully, I I pinch myself sometimes. I'm like, how did I create a successful business? You know, owning a business is something that I've always wanted. You know, since I was a little girl. When I was a little girl, it was a restaurant that I wanted to own. The lily pad, I had it all planned out. Um, <laughs> <Love it. laughs> um, so I truthfully, there's nothing else that I would rather be doing. I just mm. feel so lucky. Okay. So uh, no big dreams of doing a boutique hotel in Italy or Spain? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> so I would love to do a hotel. I could, it could be in Italy. That would just be the icing on the cake, but I would love to do a hotel, a boutique hotel. Mm-hmm. And would it have any special features? Would it be a wellness place? What, what do you think it would be? So I've done a, a decent amount of traveling. So I do really appreciate nice places to stay. So it would certainly be a luxurious space, mm. um, you know, a place where people could relax and have fun. Um, I think a wellness component is always value added. Um, you know, when people go on vacation, they also, they're going on vacation, they're staying in a hotel for so many reasons, but one of them is usually to get away if you're traveling for a personal reason and you want to be surrounded by beauty. And that's what I would love to create. That's great. Well, I'll come to your hotel and I'll stay. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> we'll test it out. Just let us know if there's a great spa. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> Has to have it's like spa. my favorite pastime is, is spying. Is that a verb? Oh. Spying? <laughs> uh, that could be a word. Not more created. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I know that one of the things we love to do is end our podcast with a couple of thoughts that you might have to share with everybody that you would like them to take away from this? Yeah, I I think the the first one would definitely be if something isn't going right or something is not working to think about, is it a process issue or is it a training issue? You know, is it that the process doesn't exist and it needs to be created or the process needs to be tweaked or changed? Or is it that that person or group of people were not properly trained on the process? Mm -hmm. I always always refer to that when I'm thinking when something doesn't go right. Um, I think the second one would just kind of be about letting the organic growth happen. I had no idea that I was going to have a 10 person company. And that happened just by letting that organic growth happen and letting the business kind of unfold and, you know, pushing it forward for sure. Um, But you know, sometimes you don't know what's out there unless you let it happen. (laughs) 
And the last one would definitely be, and I, I feel so strongly about this, just having a great support network in your business. I think that not just through the boardroom and through you, Gail, but I've also just locally have built a great network of resources that I can talk to that are in our industry, other designers, you know, I, there's enough work to go around. It's not, I'm not worried about any type of competition in our area. I really try to foster a great relationship with the other designers in our area. And um, even before COVID, we were going to host a designer event in our showroom just so that we could all get to know each other a little bit more and talk shop and um, help each other out. And I think that having that support network really helps any business owner make good, confident decisions. And that's so important in what we do every day. Absolutely. Well, it's been great having you on here. And I know there, those will be great tips for our listeners. And we, of course, cannot wait to see you hit your 20 million and <laughs> who knows how many employees, but you're going to have a very big business down the road. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for being so supportive. Both you and Erin have been um, such an important part of my process. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Flana. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to get in touch with Glenna, please visit glennastone.com and follow Glenna on Instagram and Facebook at Glenna Stone Design and Pinterest at G Stone Interiors. Next week, interior designer Christine Turknet, founder and principal designer for Breathe Design Studio located in Austin, Texas, will be joining us. We'll see you soon.